from in the mouth of Macho Madness, it's the IGN Digigods. Please welcome two gorgeous ladies of wrestling, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. One of our very last intros, Bob. Lance Horatio Taylor. And thank you. Yeah, thank you. We only got five left. Oh, I ate too many peanut butter cookies. They're pretty good. Mark actually made some peanut butter cookies. They're not bad. They were good. Uh, But I I ate, I made about 20. And you ate like 18 of them? Oh, two. Yeah, well. And you just ate one. So the 20, you ate one. I ate 19. Okay. (laughs) See, Wade Wade doesn't realize that when I kill over from a heart attack in about six months, he'll be doing the show by himself. Oh, my. I never really thought about you that. You didn't really po- think it would happen. No. Once I keel over, who's going to do this thing? Who's going to do this uh, podcast? I'll Nobody. have to pull one of our listeners in. Oh, duh. Are you auditioning? Yeah, maybe. Exactly. Well, meanwhile, send, uh, send your intros in. We're taking submissions for new intros, new listener-supplied intros. Send them in to gods at digigods.com. Take them all. Send them all. We'll take them. We'll, we'll, we'll do them all. Why not? <laughs> I have to book Bob. Yeah, we do. So, uh, yeah, gods at digigods.com. we got five more weeks of intros, and then we got to start from scratch. So we need Ooh. new stuff. Uh, not really any DVD news per se this week, but... Uh, the Twelve Angry Men coming out Criterion Blu-ray. Yes, yes. Very nice. I love that. we got some Criterions this week. We all, Fanny we have Alexander some. coming out on Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah. I thought you'd love that. Sure. Okay, here's, okay how about this? A Better Tomorrow coming out on Blu-ray. John Woo. Pretty sweet. Thank you. Pretty sweet. Yeah. No, it's it, it. The Blu-ray cascade. The Blu-ray cascade has begun, and uh, we got and a couple, we got some good criterions this week. And listener mail. The original. Yeah. Taking a Pelham one two three coming out on Blu-ray. Finally. Which you'll be giving me because I want it. You know, I just don't know why they remade that. I honestly don't. Although it was so necessary. Yeah. <laughs> they had to. How could you not? Yeah. Uh, it didn't even make any sense. No. Bad casting, bad all around. You know, I, I'm going to go on the record uh, saying something very controversial right now. A lot of our listeners will be infuriated by this, but uh, Tony Scott, Ridley Scott, I think they should retire. Both you know, I'll tell I you, really Ridley, Sc- Ridley Scott, you know, there's news now that he's remaking uh, Blade well, Runner. Well, he wants to do a sequel he to Blade to Runner. He, he, here's the thing. Like, when you get to a point in your career where you're, he's 74 years old now, okay? He's 74. And he's, he's gone back to the well. He's doing a prequel to Alien. Now he wants to do a sequel to Blade Runner. He wants to make all of his movies in 3D. It's like, you know what? At a certain point, that's like, what really? Now you're, for relevance, you're saying, I want to use just the stupid hip new technology, and I'm going to go, and I'm just going to recycle the movies I made when I was in my 40s because I, I don't have my mojo anymore. At that point, you've got to just step back and just say, it's done. I'm done. I'll I, retire. I mean, it's true. I, I really look at that. I wonder if there's something he's... If there's something psychological, he's got to revisit his childhood, or he's got to. I just, there's something I just, going on. It's like deeper than just the movies he picks to make. Well, look at what he's done over the last few years. It's terrible. It's been terrible. I mean, he's had a string of bombs for the better part of. I mean, apart from uh, American Gangster, that was really the only. The last decade has just been stale for him. Everything post Gladiator has been catastrophic. And know? it's funny. I guess now at this point, he's given up trying to win an Oscar. Yeah. You know. Clearly. And he's going to go back and uh, revisit his greatest triumphs. But Tony as well. I mean, Tony is just going through the motions now. And look, I, I liked... Uh, I liked uh, the, the train thing. Yeah, I did too. But that, that it's, it's still, it, as I've said many times, it's not a story. It's an incident. And there are any number of directors that could have done just as well. I mean, and now he wants to go and remake Top Gun. I mean, come on. Stop. Both of you. Stop it. I don't know if, if that's... If Free that's, us from Scott Free. Exactly. Is that indicative of just a lousy material that's floating out there? That he has, he'd rather remake something he did 30 years ago than make something you know new? What? They, they, yeah, there's lousy material floating around out there. But for crying out loud, when you're Ridley and Tony Scott and you run a company like Scott Free, you have your pick of the litter. You can actually say, let's do this or let's do that. And uh, it, they, they're, they're just not, you know, they're, they're on, they're out of it. They've lost their mojo. All right, let's uh, let's move on, and uh, you know we got a giant stack here of a lot of great PBS documentaries. Oh, great! So I'm going to go. Uh, hey, you know w- what? Cook up some more uh, cookies. Serious? I'm going to blow through this just like last week with the kids stuff because there's a lot of great stuff here, but it doesn't warrant extensive mention just because I've kind of culled through the cream of the crop, and uh, these are the ones you're going to want to get into. You know, PBS uh, there there used to be 
WGBH, uh, which you know funds a lot of PBS stuff. WGBH Chicago used to release their own DVDs, and then there was uh, PBS Distribution. The two companies merged, and now you get we're getting this just regular supply of terrific uh, PBS documentaries every week. Uh, this is one from Frontline Wiki Secrets. Uh, Julian Assange, Bradley Manning, and WikiLeaks. Really super timely. Frontline is always right on the cutting edge. Uh, if you uh, if you've just kind of been all over that Julian Assange stuff. It's really very interesting. This is, uh, you know, it, it does what the evening news and what the uh, 24-hour news channels do not do, which is takes its time, gets into the meat of the story, uncovers all of the details. Whoa, and, whoa, whoa, whoa. I have but, no time for that. I just want to know what the deal is. In 25 seconds, I want to know why it makes Obama look bad, and uh, I'm yeah, happy. There you go. Exactly. Uh, another one. This is on DVD and on Blu-ray. I'm going to heavily recommend the uh, the Blu-ray on this. This is from the series Nature, Salmon Running the Gauntlet. And, uh, you know, salmon are, uh, I know you're thinking fish, really? I want to watch fish on Blu-ray? Why not just buy an aquarium? No, 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 no. Salmon are really a very interesting fish. And this is not for, you know, like uh, birch-chewing, tree-hugging uh, ecotypes. This is for everybody because salmon are a, a vital part of the uh, North American ecosystem. And uh, this is just beautifully, beautifully photographed, very educational, extremely interesting. And it explains precisely why salmon are not just important, but why they're kind of a great uh, sort of bellwether of how the uh, environment is doing just in a general sense. I got some stuff here from the uh, Secrets of the Dead series, China's Terracotta Warriors, which I always enjoy anything to do with Terracotta Warriors, uh, because they're just, it's one of the great archaeological finds of the last hundred years. 8,000 terracotta warriors uh, that were buried and uh, eventually excavated, and it's just super cool. And, uh, you know, rock on. Secrets of the Dead uh, always gives us good stuff. The other one is uh, World's Biggest Bomb, and this is, of course, all about the um, the Cold War and uh, the 1954 Castle Bravo hydrogen bomb test, which is really quite awesome to behold. Um, anyway, the... Uh, you know, this is the, this kind of what coincided with and in many ways preceded the space race, the uh, the bomb race. and Very interesting. Also from Nature, Outback Pelicans on DVD and on Blu-ray. I have developed a fascinating love for pelicans. Now, mind you, this is about the Australian pelicans. Uh, not that it matters. I watch pelicans every day, and I just find them to be totally gangsta. You know that? Gangsta? Gangsta. You are you are the gangster. least qualified person to say the word gangster. I know, but they are. They when you watch pelicans here in uh, in Southern California, they go up and down the coast in these like fighter formations, and uh, they're just they're like gangs. They're out cruising. They might as well be wearing like bandanas and uh, and uh, you know. And do they do they ride to uh, a scorpion's rock you like a hurricane? Totally. There you go. No, they're they're amazing animals. They really are. They're extraordinary. And uh, you know, this is again because this is focused primarily on the uh, Australian pelican. And uh, it's you know you have to have a little bit of an an Aussie uh, get your Aussie mojo on to uh, thoroughly enjoy this. But the uh, just everything about pelicans is awesome. That's all I can say. Get that one on Blu-ray. From Nova, the smartest machine on Earth. Uh, (laughs) This is all about that damn computer that they put on Jeopardy that just started beating the tar out of all the human contestants, which wasn't all that fun. But the computer named Watson, uh, designed by IBM, uh, it really is kind of a, it's an it's more interesting not because it has anything to do with the game show, but because it's it gives you a sense of how smart you can actually make a computer, what you can do with artificial intelligence, how responsive it can be to questions and voice recognition and all that kind of stuff. And it's kind of scary. We're getting there. We're getting to hell. We're moving into hell territory. I just want to be able to uh, tap my chest and say uh, Picard here, and then yes. uh, people can just hear me. See, here's the problem with that Star Trek. Uh, the problem with that Star Trek thing where they yeah. they had like the little star Starfleet insignia on yeah. a pin, yeah. and then they would hit the pin, yeah. and they would say Picard to bridge. Yeah. Now, I don't understand how that worked because you hit the pin, yeah, and then at that point Picard could want to talk to anybody, but. So is there a com- so is he talking to like a com- Picard to like dating hotline? Is, no, is he talking to like some sort of like intergalactic space operator? And he goes Picard to bridge, and then instantaneously it zaps him to the bridge. But that can't. It would have to be pretty instantaneous because the moment he says Picard to bridge, a, a millisecond later the bridge responds. I don't understand how they do that. It's a uh, super superhuman technology. <laughs> 
Uh, we got we got uh, also here Secrets of the Divine, the altarpiece of Ciudad Rodrigo. Um, this is uh, from the exhibition Fernando Gallego and his workshop, the altarpiece from Ciudad Rodrigo, which uh, includes some extraordinary 15th century paintings uh, that were uh, originally uh, decorated an altar in a cathedral in uh, the central part of Spain. And, uh, you know, if you're an art fan, this is, you're going to love this. This is a certain kind of art, very religious art uh, that predates my particular favorite periods. But, you know, I always enjoy anything that sort of uh, casts art against a historical backdrop. Uh, Irina Sendler, In the Name of Their Mothers. Um, this is an amazing true story that probably would have made a better story than a bit better movie than Schindler's List. This is about a bunch of Polish women who, uh, you know, all these stories about people who managed to save Jews during uh, the Holocaust, every one of them is extraordinary in its own way. They're just, every single one of them should be made into a movie. Uh, They really should, and this one in particular. What these Polish women did to outwit the the Nazis is absolutely extraordinary, and uh, I'm surprised no Polish filmmaker managed to do this. Obviously not as a a quantum achievement as what uh, Schindler did, but, uh, you know, nearly 3,000 kids... Were, were rescued because of what uh, these women did. And it's just, it's a magnificent story. Very touching, very moving. Um, also from Nova, two very, very cool Nova uh, titles here. Venom, Nature's Killer. I hate snakes. I hate snakes as much as Mark hates bees. Uh, so this was a little bit cathartic. And uh, I, I got to tell you, I learned, I learned more than I wanted to about Venom. And then the other one, which they busted out as fast as they possibly could, Japan's Killer Quake. This is, of course, um, super timely. Japan is still suffering the aftermath of that quake and that tsunami. And uh, I know this was covered to death, but you'd be surprised at how little of the coverage actually gets into the details that NOVA does there. Um, Let's see what else. I'm going to blow through some of this. American Experience. Uh, George Washington, the man who wouldn't be king, uh, not superior to any other documentaries on George Washington, just uh, very, very thorough, very, very interesting, very solid. Uh, you know, we've uh, George Washington has kind of faded from the historical limelight a little bit in recent years, so it's nice to see him brought back. My Vietnam, Your Iraq is, uh, is pretty potent stuff. This is not part of any particular series. This is an original uh, production for PBS. And uh, it draws an analogy between Vietnam and Iraq and the politics and the sociology and how they're different and how they're the same. And, uh, you know, it's, it's nice because those, that analogy was brought up so many times. It is a quagmire. It's not a quagmire. Everybody was always getting all bent out of shape about how it's another uh, Vietnam. And they're not the same, and yet they are. And this is uh, an, an objective way of... Uh, drawing that analogy. Secrets of the Dead, uh, again, Lost in the Amazon, a little less enthralling than the other ones, but it's nicely narrated by Liev Schreiber, whose voice I always appreciate. Uh, This goes back to a 1925 uh, Amazonian expedition between uh, Percy Fawcett uh, and his, well, involving Percy Fawcett and um, his son Jack and his son's uh, best friend looking for a lost city in the middle of the Amazon. And uh, what happened and uh, what transpired in the wake of what happened is fascinating, and I'm surprised that they never made this into a movie either. It's, like, super dramatic. Getting to the end here, Mark. Nature Bears of the Last Frontier. This is a Blu-ray DVD combo, uh, and uh, I like bears. Uh, I like polar bears. I like grizzly bears. I like black bears. I even like Mark. I'm not a bear. You were a bear. I'm a doggy. Yeah, well, I don't know, whatever. Um, yeah, you know what? Get this on. Get this combo. This is great. It's Blu-ray and DVD. I don't know why they don't do uh, all of their stuff on Nature because all the other stuff on Nature we always talk about. It's just so much better on Blu-ray. Uh, so you can you know get get both for uh, the same price here. Uh, but no, it's it's just an absolutely wonderful look at uh, a very misunderstood animal because bears are. You know, everybody's well, always bears are mean, man. You know, so somebody just got eaten by a bear. Yeah. You, know, you know, a couple of weeks you know ago there was what? that huge bear attack. Bears get hungry too. Bears get hungry too. That's if, true. like, when I'm hungry, if a fat burger wanders in front of me, what am I supposed to let it off the hook? But the fat burger's already dead. You know, bears just have different uh, standards. Stupid bears. Anyway, no, this is this is great. Black bears, grizzlies, and polar bears. A wonderful look at all three of them with some amazing photography. And uh, then we got three, uh, kind of the, on the high end of stuff, three little box sets here. Four programs on brain fitness. This is volume one, which means you're going to get even more. Uh, this is important. If you've got any relatives who are uh, suffering from any kind of brain illnesses, uh, neurological diseases, dementia, anything of the sort, 
you really want to get this. This is not just for entertainment. This is really medically and uh, physiologically important to know about all this stuff because the brain is the kind of the last frontier of uh, of our knowledge. We don't we know more about space and the oceans than we know about the brain. Uh, and then Mars, the red planet. This is from the uh, this is a Nova PBS Explorer collection. Four different uh, discs in this. Four different shows. Can we make it to Mars? Is there life on Mars? Welcome to Mars and Mars Dead or Alive. All have been previously released. Uh, but as we're preparing to send another explorer to Mars, you want to get your Mars on. You want to know all about that damn planet because we're about to discover people living under the surface. No, that's not true. We will. Although some Russian scientist uh, last month said that uh, he thought that. Aliens would make themselves known in the next 20 years. Yeah, I, I was also reading about how some environmentalists think that aliens are going to destroy us because we're, our, our greenhouse gases are threatening the universe. That was a weird little... That was bizarre. Did yeah. you read that? It's like, yeah, really? Seriously? You want people to take you... Oh, come on. Um, and then the last one, dogs, man's best friend. Stupid dogs. And you have to say the title that way. You don't say dogs, man's best friend. You go dogs, man's best friend. So dumb. From the PBS Explorer collection. Everybody also four shows, dogs. four discs, uh, previously released. How smarter animals, dogs decoded through a dog's eyes, and dogs and more dogs. Um, if you're a cat person, you probably won't get as much fun out of this. I like dogs and cats. So do I. They're both very stupid. There it is, Mark. Blue through them. Rock and roll. Oh, you're done. I'm done. Okay. So let's uh, let's let's waddle over into the television arena, and uh, oh wait, it's another week. It's another uh, NCIS uh, piece of crap. Show doesn't go away, does it? No, although although um, NCIS Los Angeles, which stars um, Chris O'Donnell and uh, Ice T, Ice Q, one of those Ices, Ice something, LL yeah. Cool J, someone like that. Um, it's on USA. It's going to start airing on USA. You know, they did that with Law & Order. They, they, they popped uh, some of those Law & Order shows over to uh, USA and uh, tried to drive traffic over. I, it, I don't know that it worked that successfully because well, Jeff we, Goldblum was on uh, uh, Criminal Intent for about 14 seconds before they brought Vincent D'Onofrio back. How do you know? all? Did you watch those shows? I, 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 yeah, kind of. <laughs> Lame. Maybe a little. Uh, I... Anyway, this is trying to extend the NCIS uh, franchise to Los Angeles, although it does have Linda Hunt, and we all, lo- we all love Linda Hunt. Oh, I love Linda Hunt. She's the best. Nice uh, to know she's still getting work. Yep. Season, uh, season one, folks. Uh, no, actually, season two. Special features include uh, a couple of featurettes and uh, a little thing on the shooting in Los Angeles and a commentary by uh, a couple of the... Uh, Major players, you know, I, I don't really like these shows. Are very interchangeable to me. They really are. Well, it's it's like NCIS and Law and Order and CSI, and for that matter, uh, even JAG all kind of adhere to the same script. And when I say script, I don't mean literally script, but it, it's the same kind of procedural formula for all of those shows. I, I just don't know how like NCIS, the, the original with Mark Harmon, is now available uh, DVD. It's the eighth season. Yeah. A uh, bunch of special features on this too. I don't know how like NCIS and Bones and The Closer. I, I don't know how all those shows differentiate themselves. Yeah, they don't. Be, be, but they're all on different nights, and people watch them all because movies are too expensive. And uh, you know, they they get to know these characters and love these characters. I guess that's ultimately what it's about. It's about the characters. I mean, I do I do like uh, I do like the cast of these things, but NCIS Los Angeles. No, man. I don't know how that's going to uh, long term because, you know, Law & Order Los Angeles lasted less than a season. I don't know how that bombed so badly. That Lame. Just, yeah, it's too bad. Had a good cast. I kind of liked it. Anyway, all right, moving on. Um, you know what? The um, I can't think of any series that was marketed so heavily, so mystically, so cosmically as having such quantum importance as the event. The event is coming. For months, for well, months, the event well, it's is like, coming. It's supposed to be like Lost. The event is coming. Like Lost. The event is coming. And you know what? The event is gone. The event is over. Exactly. It, they the, came and went. The event got canceled. The, the event came and went. The, the event has been uh, canceled due to it's, lack of interest. It's, it's bizarre. Uh, this is the complete series. <laughs> The complete series in one very overinflated box set from Universal. Uh, it's very strange. It's got a bunch of special features on it, you know, uh, some commentaries and deleted scenes and uh, featurette material. But the bottom line is the show didn't last even a whole season. It was 22 episodes. And uh, they tried to say, oh, it's like uh, 
Lost meets 24. It's like uh, ER, except in the world of reality and not in an ER room. It's it's like two and a half men, except with millions of, uh, and a half billions men. Billions billions. Millions of men and women. It's like uh, it's like law and order, except lawless and orderless. I I don't know, man. It just it tr- it was too mystical, and it really didn't ever deliver. It was just a lot of question marks and no answers. And uh, you know, when they finally kind of start to uh, turn the screws and open up what it is that's the big deal, I, they it lost all the mysticism and. I don't know. Had a, had a decent cast. Jason Ritter's good. Laura Ennis is always good. Loved her on ER with the limp and the whole deal. Blair Underwood, you know, uh, a little too pretty for his own good, but he's aging well. I, uh, but, you know, uh, it's just weird. But I, I, I guess it has enough of a following that they think they can sell the, uh, sell the DVD. That is true. Moving on. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, let's see. Yeah, what, uh, talk, yeah, that. You, do, that. Why am I talking about the Angry Beavers? Because I don't know anything about the Angry Beavers. I'm I know saying it's a, Nickel- I, I, it's a Nickelodeon show, and it looks weird, and those oh, shows all oh, scare oh, me. Oh, I thought you meant all the girls I meet on the internet. I thought oh. those were the Angry Beavers. Oh, my goodness. Because this you is, see, this is the a family show. is the wacky. Anyway, this is a, uh, it's a story of uh, two young beavers who live in, um, in a forest near way out of town, Oregon, where mm. they live. You realize that this show is old. It, yeah, it, it I know. It premiered in 1997. I know. I, and it, I, it was done in 2001. It's one of those... It's sort of from the Ren and Stimpy era or the late Ren and Stimpy era. Uh, yeah, it, um, it, it's one of those shows that you realize that you don't need much in the way of animation. No. If you can just make people laugh or make kids shut up and not scream for their mommy, you pretty much have a head in your hands. And... Uh, even they screwed that up. Anyway, Angry Beavers, this is uh, 26 episodes from uh, the first two seasons. And, uh, you know, I don't really like the animation. It's very sort of jagged and not that smooth and a little bit tossed off. Um, you know, there's some funny jokes in it, I guess, but not really into it. Any special features on this thing? <coughs> Excuse me. No, Angry Beavers. Seasons one and two. Wow. They don't look like beavers. They look like things. Like Ren and Stimpy are a dog and a cat, right? They don't. Oh, they, they, kind they, of. Supposedly, I don't know. Uh, we got a bunch of stuff here from Mill Creek, who usually, uh, you know, Mill Creek, of course, does a lot of these compilation sets, and it's usually stuff. They, apart from the stuff that they sublicense from Shout, a lot of this is public domain, or else it's just stuff that they can call together at a decent price and make it available at a decent price. And this is a not bad one. Uh, this is Johnny Carson, Late Night Legend. 35 episodes of the Johnny Carson show, Carson Cellar, a whole lot of stuff. Not Tonight Show stuff. This is Johnny Carson on uh, a wide assortment of television appearances and shows uh, pre-Tonight Show. And um, it, it actually t- gives it's nice insight into who Johnny Carson is, where he came from, how he was groomed to eventually be the legend that he was. Uh, pretty great. There's the um, the Johnny Carson Morning Show, one episode, 11 episodes of the Johnny Carson Show itself, Carson Cellar, one episode, uh, a couple episodes from Caesar's Hour, a couple of Com- Colgate Comedy Hour uh, episodes, one from the Martha Ray Show, uh, seven episodes from the Milton Berle Show. Did you know that? He was on the Milton Berle Show? I did not know that. Interesting. I didn't. See? You just did a... You just did, a, did an Ed McMahon. That. that is wild, wacky stuff. Then there's an Ed McMahon. No, it's really interesting. I didn't realize... I hadn't fully realized that Johnny Carson was this kind of real, solid television, recurring personality that just... You know, you, how could you not give The Tonight Show to him when the time came? He had just sort of established himself as that kind of a guy. It's really good. Um, you know, Bonanza... There are a lot of episodes of Bonanza that are in the public domain. It's a long story as to how and why. They have all shown up a thousand times on public domain compilations. It's always the same episodes. So anybody that's been buying those public domain Bonanza uh, collections knows exactly what's here. If you don't have one, this is a pretty good one to get. It's four discs, 32 episodes. But here's the bigger problem with Bonanza. Bonanza itself, the proper releases of the series. Bonanza ran for like 18 seasons or something astronomical like that. It ran forever. People grew up and had children watching Bonanza, you know? There were people who, whose children wound up watching Bonanza at the same age that they were when they were watching Bonanza. That's how long Bonanza ran. That's how long it was on top. In 2009, in September of 2009, Paramount, who owns Bonanza, released the first season in two volumes. That was in 2009. More than a year later, 
In just this last December, they released Volume 1 of Season 2. Now, seriously, at this rate, Paramount is going to release all, say, 18 seasons. Might have, might have been more than 18. Might have been close to 20. Uh, they're going to release all of those in two halves. That's, like four, that's close to 40 different DVD releases. I, you know, I'm going to have great-grandchildren by the time they get all the episodes of Bonanza on DVD. DVD is going to be an obsolete format. What the hell are they waiting for? It's like, uh, it's like Gunsmoke. But seriously, just get it out there. Well, there's obviously not much of a market for it. Well, then release the whole series in one shot. They've got to figure out what they want to do. I mean, charge $1,000 for it, but at least make it available. Otherwise, it's going to take forever. If you release the whole thing in one shot, in $1,000 box set, and five people buy it, that's probably more money than, than you would make uh, progressively over time. At least make it available then on, on Hulu or Amazon or iTunes or something, Netflix, something. Just get it out there. Let people watch their old Bonanza episodes. It's not like they're in syndication anymore. Uh, Lucy, A Legacy of Laughter. Uh, this, is a, uh, this is about th- close to three dozen episodes of uh, The Lucy Show. Not my favorite show, I got to admit. Um, now, well, you know, Lucy just, it was the 100th anniversary of Luc- Lucille Ball's birth. Yeah, well. A while ago, and uh, there's been a lot of celebration. Yeah. You know, the, the interesting thing about this is, I think there may be a legal proceeding, because they don't actually say this is from the Lucy show. They say, Lucy, a legacy of laughter, 30 episodes. And they don't actually say it's the Lucy show. They never say the Lucy show. And I'm wondering if there's some copyright thing that they're trying to get away with. Anyway, this also is like the Bonanza stuff. Public domain hasn't been, uh, you know, it's not great quality. You can get all these episodes separately from a million other vendors. But, it, it, you know, if you don't have it, not a bad place to start. Uh, more of that stuff here uh, from Family TV Classics. This is a potpourri of, I mean, a real potpourri of stuff from a lot of TV shows that Mill Creek has just kind of thrown together. It's a nice little uh, trip through uh, memory lane, a very golden age of television, Petticoat Junction, Milton Berle Show, Buster Keaton Show, uh, The Dick Van Dyke Show, The Ed Wynn Show, The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet, Lassie, Sea Hunt, all this stuff. I mean, you know, for a few bucks, you get 45 episodes of a lot of different television uh, shows from the golden era. This is kind of fun. It's something you throw on in the background so that your kids know what good television actually was once upon a time. Um, and the last two of these, Jack Benny and Betty White, two of the funniest people who've ever lived. You Betty really White. Betty White was one of the funniest people who ever she lived? She was, well, you know Come what? On. Okay. One of the sweetest people who's ever lived. I've never met her. I don't know that. that By the way, did she you... might be a whore for all I know. Did you know that, if, that the AARP, the uh, Association for the Advancement of uh, Retired people. Really Old People, exactly. uh, when you call them now, not that I call them for any reason, but th- this is just a bit of trivia, did you know that their entire messaging system, it doesn't consist of an operator saying, thank you for calling the AARP, please hold. It consists of messages like, hi, this is Betty White. I know what your hope... It's like it's suddenly a conversation with Betty White all through their messaging system. They sat her down and had her record like an hour's worth of, uh, of, of robo-greetings for old people calling into the AARP. How do you know that? I don't know how I know that. I read that somewhere. It's bizarre. Uh, anyway, Life with Elizabeth was a, uh, one of the first shows that Betty White starred on, produced, uh, really was a central figure on, and you get 24 episodes of that along with 16 episodes. I have another primetime show called Date with the Angels. And uh, this stuff is very hard to get. Good for Mill Creek for going and digging it up. They uh, did this, obviously, to capitalize on Betty White's new resurgence in popularity, which is pretty smart. Uh, All of it kind of centered around Saturday Night Live. And she's not like a dirty old woman on these shows. She's become a dirty old woman. And then uh, the very best of Jack Benny. This is uh, 39 episodes, 21 hours of uh, Jack Benny show brilliance. This and, you know... This is just Who great. Who doesn't love those from Jack Benny? I oh, man, I love Jack Benny. He's just he's just absolutely fabulous. But what I don't understand is the description here on this. They they talk about him uh, having a perpetual age of thirty nine. I'm sorry, uh, <clears throat> Jack Benny, thirty nine. Jack Benny looks like he's sixty, even when he was thirty. He, I know. Well, he died. I mean, he he lived a long time. He died when he was eighty. I know. And but he always looked like he was sixty. I know. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. Like certain people, when we were growing up. We would see people like Jack Benny, Johnny Carson, I don't know, whatever, Foster Brooks, and they would look like they were 80. Yeah. But now that we're older, you realize that they were like 27. Kind of our age. They were 27. You know? Yeah. Oh, here's some uh, catalog releases, Way Let's do the movies, Way. Rock Thousands on. of people care about the movies. Stupid salmon Blu-rays. Who cares? Yeah. Swingers. 
Swingers is now on Blu-ray. I love this film. This was a uh, this was the uh, calling card. This was the uh, the hello movie for Vince Vaughn, John Favreau, and director uh, Doug Liman, and uh, Heather Graham too. It's a terrific movie. You know what? I, I this movie totally holds up in terms of uh, its look at Los Angeles, although not all the landmarks that they visit still exist. The the, uh, the derbies. Uh, gone in Los Feliz, unfortunately, but a lot of them are still around. And uh, but in terms of just you know guys in their twenties, maybe even early thirties, trying to get with the ladies, all that stuff, that insecurity, the humor that comes from it, it's 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 all it's all timeless. There is nothing more truthful in that movie. And Doug Lehman, by the way, or Lyman, however you want to pronounce his name, I still think that may be the best film he's done. Yeah, no. You know, I mean, forget about all the big studio stuff, the Born Identity and Mr. and Mrs. Smith and all that stuff. Honestly. It's a pretty great little movie, and it's all handheld and low budget. There is nothing more true. Anyone, anyone who's lived in Los Angeles and ever driven to Vegas knows exactly how that trip goes. It starts off exactly the way it starts off in that movie, in the car screaming, Vegas, Vegas, and flash forward three and a half hours, and you, you, just, you just want to go to sleep. Three and a half hours. Three, oh my, four five, hours. Five hours. Five hours. You just beat. You're just beat all to hell That's from right. that, that long trip. Oh, I do love that movie. Anyway, uh, it does look good on Blu-ray. Uh, you know, who cares? It's worth an upgrade. Come on, get some. Yeah. Swingers. <laughs> Actually, we have three catalog Blu-rays, all with one name in their title, Wade. Oh, that's interesting. Not really. It's just no, a thing I that happened. Right. We have Swingers, and now we have Rounders. Rounders is a movie that I that I really wanted to like and was really interested in and seemed like there was a lot of dramatic... Uh, possibilities in young guys playing, you know, poker, high stakes, whatever. Yeah, it didn't really come come together for me. I wa- it's intermittently I, engaging. I like the film. I don't love it. I'm not sure why I don't love it. I like Matt Damon in it. I like Ed Norton in it. Uh, I like just about it's 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 a very strange film for me because it's usually when I'll see a movie and I love it, I know why I love it, or I'll see it and I hate it and I know why I hate it, or it doesn't work, but I know what doesn't work. This is one of those movies where I saw it, and I thought, I, I don't know why this movie doesn't work. Like, I like all the pieces. I just don't like the sum of the parts. And I'm, I still, for the life of me to this day, I just can't figure out why it doesn't work. Like, if I had to review this film, I would just throw my hands up and just say, I have no idea how to review this film. And that's happened to me maybe three or four times in, you know, 20 years. I just don't know. I don't know why it doesn't quite work for me. It's a really good film. It's really well made. I would probably not mind watching it again, but for some reason, it just leaves me cold. Well, you know, this was uh, this was John Dahl. Yeah. And John Dahl, at the time, he was kind of a hottish uh, guy coming up, trying yeah. to get it done, and John Dahl is now basically dead. Yeah, that's sad. Dead. Just anyway, TV. it's all about uh, compulsive gambling and uh, about the hero who gambles away his money and his law degree and all sorts of stuff. And, yeah. And uh, there's a lot of drama inherent in gambling in terms of whether you win or lose, but somehow I didn't find this movie all that dramatic. Um, anyway, special features, audio commentary with the director and the screenwriter. This is all ported over. And uh, a couple behind-the-scenes featurettes, and uh, that's Rounders. Finally, you know, Bruce Willis has had a very interesting career, and uh, he makes a lot of great choices, but he really does make a lot of crappy choices. One of them is Hostage. Boy, I have an interesting story about this, but go ahead and carry on. Um, really? Yeah, I do. Go on, but do, do, the, do the spiel. Yeah. <laughs> This is a movie uh, about a hostage situation, and Bruce, hostage and Bruce Willis goes. Situation. Yeah, well, Bruce Willis plays this. Uh, he's this hostage negotiator, and he winds up quitting, and he becomes a police chief of a small town. And there's a there's a crime in the town. He's got to figure out who did it. And um, you know, uh, I have to say that the, Paul, not, Pollock's in this film. He's I not know bad. Kevin Pollock is, is is in this movie. He's not bad. Um, it's tense at the beginning, and then I feel like it becomes a little too schematic, you know, which I guess is fine if you're just going to watch it on a random Tuesday night. Here, here's something that's interesting. This film was directed by a French director, Florent Emilio Siri, who's actually a very, very good director. Um, and I, uh, I did a Q&A with him at Corcoa a few years ago when they showed one of his, uh, his very, very first films. Uh, and... It's interesting because, you know, Ben Foster plays the baddie in Hostage. And one of the interesting things about it, and, and Siri has done, you know, uh, not a whole lot since. He made a film in 2007 called uh, L'Anmi Antime, The Intimate Enemy, and, which is really quite good, actually. But the, 
what was interesting about Ben Foster being in the film is that Ben Foster bears a striking resemblance uh, to Benoit Magimel, who is kind of his alter ego, kind of a series alter ego in some of his earlier films. And uh, I, the, the interesting thing, question was, and I don't remember if I asked this or someone from the audience asked, but they're like, is Ben Foster like a surrogate Benoit Magimel? And he goes, oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, if I had done this film in French, it would have had Benoit Magimel play that part. That's really impressive way. Isn't that a great so story? So many people are impressed. Doing it. I know. Anyway, Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Mwah. Anyway, as I realized that I actually, Mwah. as I realized that I reviewed this for box office, I, and I look up my own review from uh, <laughs> how long ago? From six years ago. Uh, I remember t- you were. I remember when you saw this and you were utterly unimpressed. You well, even called me from from the way back. I know. From it, well, because you know what, it, it starts out. You know, here's the thing. Uh, this guy, he's he's a video game director. He directed the the, the, the uh, Splinter Cell video games. Yeah. And so the opening of the film is looks like a big video game. Yeah. And the setup is okay. But then the actual hostage taking is like kind of like increasingly lame. It sheds IQ points at an alarming rate. Well, it's one of those things that feels that it has to one up itself constantly at the end. Like you can't just kill a bad guy anymore. You have to shoot them, set them on fire, drop them 14 stories, then have some kind of a giant cybernetic organism stomp on them, and then they're still alive. You know, it's like you, you can't, everything has to be super invincible. Uh, a couple of uh, releases from Disney. That I'm not terribly fond of in either case. Oh, uh, we need weight. Well, we need let, let, let me. I'll get. I'll get. Yeah, I'll get to that in a second. We need it like we need a hole in the head. Uh, Phineas and Ferb, the movie across the second dimension. Boy, I wish everything in 3D actually was across the second dimension. I, Phineas and Ferb is one of those animated shows that obviously came out of a pitch meeting for a television series. And they just figured, you know, we got a slot, we got to fill it with something that's as good as anything. I don't really know why this ever even got to square one, but here it is. They not only got to square one, they got to square full feature length movie, Phineas and Ferb. This is a uh, DVD and digital copy. Uh, I, I guess this is all part of the Spy Kids uh, fallout and the Kim Possible fallout. Everything has to be all kind of sensational and spyish and whatever for for kids um even more useless is bambi 2 just the title should make you cringe for crying out loud bambi 2 really like snow <laughs> it's like, like, it's like snow, a joke it's like a joke oh bambi 2 well bambi goes to college and uh, gets an mba and then decides to uh bambi 2 the bambining yeah the revenge yeah it's like it's like snow white and the eighth dwarf it, 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 it's like a, it, it's like an SNL skit. Although you know what, actually, it really is. It's like something that uh, that Schmeigel would do. There, there is a uh, one piece of history attached to this film. I know this film, right? Yeah. There's the greatest span of time between an original and its sequel. This film. I know. Isn't that weird? Sixty four years between the original and its sequel. What that tells you is uh, that they didn't really need a sequel. If exactly. the original la- stands the test of time that long, you don't need a sequel. Don't yeah, but yeah, but when 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 Bambi ties the bandana uh, uh, around her so around her forehead and whips out the big gun, his and, forehead and and his forehead and whips yeah. out the big gun and then says, "Now his personal." And yeah. he goes, "Yeah, oh, it's awesome." It's just so pointless. It's so completely pointless. Yeah, but uh, Patrick Stewart's in it, and he says, "Make boo, it so." Boo. Anyway, Bambi two, the Bambining. Uh, it's on uh, Inner World it, it's a, it's a ooh, special edition it's Blu-ray DVD combo uh, I, I guess if you feel some compelling need to get it but uh, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't even take a second glance at it it's terrible uh, and they also and it was also the directing debut of the director oh like, yeah literally Bambi 2 the sequel to one of the most beloved animated films of all time they give it to a first time director I know it's, it, the, the world is upside down uh, going to blow through some listener mail real quickly here. Uh, Christopher Claro wrote to us regarding our thoughts about Zonad and how mystified we were by it. And uh, Zonad, Zonad, yeah, yeah, Zonad. Uh, Chris Claro sent us his thoughts on it, which are really interesting. And uh, Chris does uh, a lot of his own writing at ondemandweekly.com. So you may want to check that out. Chris Clara, we love plugging the websites for our listeners. we got a lot of listeners that do uh, really fine work on their own. And uh, I thought that was very interesting. I learned a lot. I, I felt like I was completely out of the loop on Zonad, and uh, it was nice to get a, a different perspective. Had a long email here from uh, Alex Weiss, who uh, writes us every so often, and uh, asked some, uh, some interesting questions. Um, and Alex has been doing a lot of uh, Blu-ray watching and renting and wanted to know, uh, he said, I've been checking out Blu-rays alphabetically by studio, starting with the current majors, uh, starting with 20th Century Fox. And I was curious from which, uh, which ones from them you would recommend, including new movies, old movies, and TV. 
Um, and uh, you know what? It's a, it's a good question because it gets pretty convoluted out there, and we recommend stuff every week. And uh, I wrote him back, and I, you know, just off the top of my head, I thought uh, some of the good stuff that he might want to look into would be Platoon, The Hustler, An Affair to Remember, All About Eve, Sound of Music, The Alien Anthology, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, Moulin Rouge, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Those were some recent uh, Blu-rays that I thought were uh, on the mark. Did you say Blade Runner? Blade Runner's older. That's, that's, that's been out in Blu-ray for a while. This was more specific to kind of more recent stuff. Did you say Blade Runner? I didn't. Well, we can add Blade Runner. <laughs> Uh, Chevelle Dixon writes and says, uh, hello, Digigods. I recently watched Sunset Boulevard and Remains of the Day for the first time and love them. It got, I got thinking that neither of these movies are on Blu-ray yet. Grumble, grumble, and I share that grumbling. These are two great classics, especially Sunset Boulevard, and Paramount has not put it on Blu-ray, just as Columbia has not done the same for Remains of the Day. Warner Brothers has done a great job with their cl- catalog titles and the films from the MGM library. Both Paramount and Columbia have done great Blu-rays for their classics, but not as well as Warner. I'm surprised Paramount hasn't done it yet because it's an amazing film. Um, you know, I I don't know why. I there, you know, you just, it's timing. I guess they all have a timetable. They probably got it uh, slotted in there somewhere. But Sunset Boulevard really should have been on Blu-ray already. It really should. Remains oh, yeah. of the day. I kind of understand. You know, uh, there may even be some discussions with Criterion about putting Remains of the Day out as a Criterion Collection edition. Uh, That's possible. I know Criterion is actively soliciting a a lot of these companies to let them do their Blu-rays. You know, if you focus on streaming, we'll do the Blu-rays. You focus on streaming. It's kind of a a smart thing to do. Uh, It's what they did back in the Laserdisc era, you know. We'll do the Laserdisc. You do VHS. But uh, but as far as Sunset Boulevard, I have no idea. Why would they not do that? I do not know either. Although I know Citizen Kane is coming out, so that may be the, uh, hopefully that'll be the, uh, the tipping the cra- point. Yeah, let's hope so. Where all these classics finally come out on Blu-ray. Killian McGillicuddy, who has not written in a while. Please write us more often, Killian, because I love saying your name. Uh, it's, it's just so, it's so beautifully Gaelic. Uh, I was wondering if you, Wade, or Mark agree with me that Nicholas Winding Refn is one of the best directors around and one of the most least critically appreciated. What are your opinions on Bronson and Valhalla Rising? Personally, I think they're two of the most refreshingly brutal and honest films around. Refn's two main characters in these films are the perfect heroes, and he tells their tales with a brilliantly honest journey of a true hero. Also, he has instantly turned Tom Hardy and Mads Mikkelsen into two of my favorite actors. Do you agree? Mark, do we agree? No. Yes, we do. We damn well do. <laughs> we love we love Reffin, man. You haven't seen Drive yet. I'm seeing it Thursday. Fucking is awesome. I can't wait. It's awesome. We love Nicholas. He we love Reffin. Look, anybody who has the guts, literally, to show someone being disemboweled with bare hands in a movie, I, I'm sorry. That that's just that could be that could be a camp moment in anybody else's film. You could have people laughing at that point, and he makes it just horrific and realistic. Good for you. Now I'm looking Rock at on. I'm looking at his IMDb page. I'm a yeah. little I don't know what to make of this. He seems to be in pre-production on a film called Only God Forgives, with Ryan Gosling and Kristen Scott Thomas. I the, the only thing that they say about what it, about its plot is. Um, a Bangkok police lieutenant and a gangster settle their differences in a Thai boxing match. Don't know. Don't know. Mm. I, I don't know what to make of that. I don't know. I don't know. But he'll make it cool. But he wrote it, so... He'll make it cool. He'll make it cool. Uh, last email. Oh, and also, as, as we mentioned last week, Nicholas, there's also another story. Nicholas Winding Refn still wants to make Wonder Woman with Christina Hendricks. I, I, go for it. Seriously. Although I've never seen that show. I don't know what Christina Hendricks looks like. Yeah, check it out. You'll, you'll be impressed. Uh, then we got a, an email from Rami Alam. I hope I'm not mutilating the name. Oh, you are. He is our, our, he's the, he's our crazy Egyptian fan who watched us during the revolution on Stupid for Movies. Uh, and he, he asks, why is there a Nick Cage and Nicole Kidman movie getting a DVD release shortly after a limited theatrical run with Joel Schumacher's Trespass? And why is there a Nick Cage, Guy Pearce, and January Jones movie called Seeking Justice that clearly is heading to DVD with a name uh, like that? Is Nick Cage finally getting what he deserves with his bad choices of recent years, or is Ghost Rider 2 going to save him? You know, the movie that's the same plot as Drive Angry and the same 3D gimmick as th- that failed miserably at the box office? Ghost Rider 2 needs the best marketing team in the world, not the Tron Legacy guys for sure. In a nutshell, what is the 2011 Nick Cage situation? And isn't it revolutionary that Trespass is getting released on VOD the same day as in theater, or is that really bad? You know, it's actually not a revelation that a Nick Cage movie is getting going straight to DVD. No. It's a revelation that a Nicole Kidman movie 
yeah. is going straight to and, DVD. And, and even, even Joel Schumacher hasn't quite hit the, that skid yet. Um, but here's the interesting thing. That, literally, after he sent that email and we responded, um, that film got accepted to the Tor- Toronto Film Festival. Isn't that bizarre? Uh, yes, but I don't know that that's going to guarantee it. I don't think I don't either. I, but it'll be interesting to see if that changes anything. The the via, the day and date VOD theatrical release thing is increasingly being tried by a lot of cowards who aren't quite sure that they can actually. They're they're just trying to dig up dollars anywhere they possibly can to salvage whatever negative uh, investment they have in these films. But um, I think that's interesting. You know that that was a film that was supposed to be terrible. That was getting absolutely no buzz, a lot of bad word of mouth, and uh, suddenly it's in the Toronto Film Festival. Why, so who knows? Why would Nicole Kidman do that? I mean, you got to figure she's got to know that Nicolas Cage is not Nicolas Cage anymore. You know, I, you know what? But she's not Nicole Kidman anymore. Yeah, but she, really, but she she can be. She can be one more. We know one decent uh, Harvey Weinstein film and a, and a big Oscar push, and Very she's Nicolas true. Kidman. Whereas, whereas whereas Cage is 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 done. Yeah, he's basically true. done. Very true. Oh, it's too unbelievable. Well, you know, speaking of uh, straight-to-video or DVD, have you ever heard of Blitz? Uh, it's a little bit like Hostage, except it doesn't have Bruce Willis. It's got that, uh, that bald Cockney guy who keeps showing up in these movies. Well, it's got Jason Statham. Yeah, you know that what guy. that means? Yeah. That means there'll be lots of fast car driving. That's what he does. <laughs> Gets the car drives it fast. And a lot of things real tough like saying. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm, uh, look, You're kind of over him, I know. He, I mean, he, he knows who he is. I just think that... No, that's true. He totally knows who he is. But I think there might be something more there if you would just give an F. You know, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna go out on a limb and I'm gonna say there's there's kind of a Yul Brenner thing going on here that uh, if he were if he weren't bald he wouldn't have the career that he's had. I think baldness has helped him. Well, baldness is uh, is uh, just just ask our friend Phil Klein. Baldness is manly. <laughs> and by the way, all, I, I I just have one thing to say about why yes. this film exists. Why? I actually have two words. Okay. Millennium Entertainment. Yeah, I know. Now, wait, Millennium Entertainment. This is a sad story. Should we go into the Millennium Entertainment and all For, about Briefly, the- you know, we've got a bunch of other stuff to get through here, but let's briefly talk about it. We've, we've talked about uh, Avi Lerner and, uh, and his little empire, his Schlockmeister empire before, how he'll go and, you know, throw some money at uh, Robert De Niro and Al Pacino and just say, just show up, just say some lines, and uh, I can market you. And uh, he, gets, he gets it done. I mean, he gets stuff made. But the thing that most depresses me, this is a guy who was an AFM special, Schlockmeister, straight-to-DVD, lowbrow, B-movie guy. He's never really made an A-level movie. And Mark Gill is now running his company, New Image Millennium. It's, you know, both companies, New Image and Millennium. And I don't really know where the dividing line is. But well, Maybe Mark it's Gill, a good thing. But, but look, Mark Gill, this is the guy that ran Miramax, then went to Warner Independent. And then when Warner Independent shut down, he opened up his own company. And then they couldn't keep it afloat because they had cash flow problems because of the, uh, the economy tanking. I mean, it's, that's going from Miramax to Warner Independent to your own company, not being able to keep it afloat, and then taking a for hire job running Millennium. That doesn't sound like, like things are good in the independent film world. Mark Gill is too smart and too intelligent and too talented of a guy to not be used in some creative capacity by somebody. Now, maybe suddenly, you know, Avi Lerner is going to step back and become the new Harvey Weinstein. And next thing you know, we'll see, you know, an Oscar-winning millennium new image I, film. Oh but I doubt imagine, it. Can you imagine I, that? See, I can't imagine. Right, uh, Righteous Killed 2. Yeah, it's not going to happen. And the winner is Righteous yeah. Killed. I mean, Blitz sucks. No, but that's what that's. I mean, uh, what's his name? Lerner. He did, he pre he foreign pre sells the crap out of it because he has stars. Because he has stars. Yeah. And then he's made his money back before they shoot a frame of film. Yeah. Well, whatever. All right. Uh, from the good people at Lorber Films, which uh, is associated now with Kino in the form of Kino Lorber, is a long overdue Jim McBride release from 1967 called David Holzman's Diary, which is this awesome cult film. That I think everybody had forgotten about, frankly. And uh, David Holzman's Diary is one of those great late 60s experimental kind of counterculture films without which we wouldn't really have David Lynch or uh, Jim Jarmusch or a lot of the guys who kind of, you know, saw films at this point in time, went into film schools because of them, and uh, wound up being some of the major filmmakers of the 1980s. David Holzman's Diary is just this bizarre, self-reflexive satire in black and white uh, that y- there's no way to actually describe it, and uh, it's just. But this a, is all. This is from like '67. This is 1967. Absolutely shot. You know, one three three. So it's. It, don't worry about the letterboxing. It's. It's supposed to be square frame. Um, but it's. It's really. It's a. It's a very cool film. Uh, with these amazing monologues directed straight to camera, shot on 16 millimeter, and uh, it, it's. You know, it's all about the pop culture environment at the time. It's about movie making. 
it's uh, it really it's just a great snapshot of about of, of our pop culture at a point in time that uh, and a place and a time that really is is pretty awesome and the con- the quality of this is great you also get three other Jim McBride uh, films on here uh, my girlfriend's wedding from '69 pictures from life's other side 1971 and my son's wedding to my sister-in-law in 2008 so Jim McBride there's a guy who's kind of vanished and this is also available on Blu-ray though I wouldn't say you gotta have it on Blu-ray because again it was shot in 16 millimeter black and white monophonic sound uh, one three three to one. It's not like you're going to watch it on Blu-ray and see anything other than magnified grit. It, 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 the DVD pretty much does justice to this. Stupid dog. Oh well, tell us about the stupid dog. Dogs are stupid. Okay. I'm oh, sorry. I'm done. That's all right. Uh, Marley and Me. The Puppy Years. The Puppy Movie. Dogs are the <laughs> dumbest dogs ever. I had no idea they actually went and made a sequel. To what? Uh, the, the, uh, well, it's a prequel. I didn't to know they Marley actually. Marley and went... Me. Yeah. Oh, 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 the Puppy Years. Yeah. 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 I had no idea they actually did this. It's very strange. But they're so stupid. Yeah. I love puppies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, Marley was... Uh, that's it. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's Marley me the puppy. It's fairly exploitative. No, this is a Walmart exclusive. Uh, Fox is being... Here's the deal on this. Marley and Me doesn't need a prequel or a sequel or a series or anything else, but it made a lot of people cry, and a lot of people love dogs. It's really, you know what, here's the thing. It's not a horrible movie. No, it's not a horrible movie. It's not a, but they it's thought, a little mawkish and treacly, like you know what? expect, but if we, They thought, if we spend a, a couple of bucks making a prequel, uh, and we don't even have to put any stars in it, we could just have no-name people, just put a cute dog on the cover, and just go, do puppies. Stupid dogs. Stupid dogs, do puppies. Always clench your teeth when you talk about dogs. And by the way, the guy who directed this, I have yeah. to—it's just the guy who directed this, right? Michael Damon, something. Yes. Yeah. He—he uh, he was a soap actor for oh, like no. seventeen years on The Young and the Restless. No. He's like a young guy. He's kind of a young guy. Oh. So he goes from The Young and the Restless from nineteen eighty-six to two thousand. It's eighteen years on The Young and the Restless, Boo. and then he goes into uh, 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 <sighs> Anyway, it. it's a Walmart exclusive. They figured, you know what, if we put a Blu-ray out in Walmarts that has a cute puppy on the cover and we relate it to Marley and Me, we're going to sell, even if it's nothing on it, even if it's, it's like home video footage of a, of a dog, uh, we're going to sell X millions of copies. So if we spend, say, $2 million making the movie, we're, you know, we've made a very, a very healthy and instant profit. And that's just the way the thing was. This is math. It's not, it's not a good movie. It's not a necessary movie, but it's math. Yeah, but it stars Travis Turner, <clears throat> Donnelly Rhodes, and Marilyn Gann. Yeah. Wow. There's a... Why? Boy. Woo. There's a winning combo. Now, uh, this is an interesting film because uh, here's a director who finally has come back. Road He's to Nowhere. Back. Yeah. Monty Hellman. You know, Monty Hellman is... Does anybody even know who Monty Hellman is anymore? This was at the uh, 67th Venice Film Festival and got a very tepid release here, but got really good write-ups. Uh, Monty Hellman's Road to Norway. But Monty Hyman, uh, Monty Hyman, boy, the Hyman, Hyman, Monty oh, Hellman wait. did, uh, did um, uh, Tulane Blacktop. Tulane Blacktop. And, you know, but the thing with, with Hellman is that he did a couple of legit films. He did, uh, do you remember China 9, Liberty 37? Oh, that's right. It's a good movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So is Iguana. Just kidding. Uh, well, Monty Hellman's one of the great kind of... I don't want to call him an exploitation filmmaker. He's kind of an underground... He's sort of in that Samuel Fuller vein a little yes. bit. Yes. Fuller did a lot of mainstream films, a lot of really great noir films, yeah. you know, terrific war films. I think that if Sam Fuller had never gone legit, yeah. he would just be like Monty Hellman. Yeah. Well, what I find interesting about this, and this is very much in the uh, in the Hellman vein, it's it's you know very much kind of a uh, you know it's about you know it, it, it's how would you how would you characterize it? It's kind of uh, it's it's got that Tulane Blacktop uh, well, Bonnie film, and Clyde sensibility to yes. it. Yes, you know, but his films are very distinctive. They're very kind of they're kind of they're a bit slow moving, and they're not like. Plot driven. It's like, well, they're they're like you know he he was the guy that came out at the time that everybody else was making hot rod and biker movies, and he made existential hot rod and biker movies. He kind of took them into this thoughtful, artsy, existential realm without completely losing the B movie exploitation nature of them. And it's a little bit what he does here. What I thought really interesting uh, about this is you know who wrote this? Oh, it was um, uh, Padachevsky. Stephen Gatos. Stephen Gatos. Yeah. Stephen Gatos, the, the entertainment reporter. I mean, you know, Stephen Gatos, formerly of uh, a variety. 
Really? Yeah. I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, not bad, right? So Dude, that is wild, wacky there's stuff. There's hope for all of us. Anyway, uh, terrific cast here, including Dominic Swain, who'd sort of vanished in the wake of uh, the uh, remake of Lolita. And it's nice to see her back. Cliff DeYoung uh, has not been anywhere, and he's terrific in this. Uh, so this is, this is cool. It's on uh, DVD and on Blu-ray. Ooh, Cliff DeYoung, the lead singer of Styx? Go get, go get your Monty Hellman on. Moving on. What? Moving on. We've got three more uh, really important titles to talk about here, which hopefully we can get through before we have to start wrapping things up. Wait, Cliff DeYoung is in the lead, is in the lead singer of Styx? I, 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 I don't keep monitor Styx anymore. All I know is uh, Domo Morigato, Mr. Roboto. Oh, I used to love that album. I know. I really did, by the way. You know, uh, if you get any... By Stan- the way, it's Dennis DeYoung. Thank you. <laughs> Stanley Kubrick's The Killing is out on a fabulous Criterion release. We are elated about this because the previous DVD release, this is Blu-ray that we got here. It's also out on DVD. They only sent us the Blu-ray. The previous DVD release from MGM um, sucked. It sucked hard. It sucked unbelievable. It, it sucked so hard. How hard did it suck? It was inside out. That doesn't make any sense. All right, never mind. Uh, Stan- <laughs> you realize, by the way, the air conditioning has been on this entire time. Oh, has it really? Can you hear it? I can. I guess so. Well, Godsdigigods.com. It, if you can hear the air conditioning, because I forgot yeah. to turn it off. You know that. You know how many times you remember? You remember when we worked on uh, uh, the the last call? That was the worst part of uh, shooting that thing. Was that the air conditioning in that uh, soundstage, that horrible Lazy Street soundstage, was so loud it had to be turned off every single time cameras rolled. And that place just, it'd be like the actors started sweating. Makeup was just beating off of people's faces. You remember so much about that, making of that film. I remember sitting I in a booth with Dave Barnblatt and just reading the paper. I mean, that's all I did. I, you remember so much about well, that I, movie. I was the, I wrangled extras. Oh, you that did? was my job, yeah. You wrangled me? I wrangled you. Was I difficult? You, yes, you were. You were the rampaging extra. <laughs> the uh, Stanley Kubrick's The Killing was made in 1956. This is uh, one of his coming-of-age films. This is one of those films, and, and depending on who you talk to, you know, it might be Paths of Glory, might be The Killing, some say it's Lolita, but everybody kind of identifies a certain film where Stanley Kubrick became Stanley Kubrick. Uh, I tend to be one of those that say, you know what, it's a process, it was an evolution, but The Killing certainly shows a guy who previously was... You know, a relatively okay filmmaker suddenly becoming an artist. And The Killing is fabulous. It's based on a Jim Thompson novel about a racetrack robbery. Uh, It is freaking brilliant. And it is a gorgeous Blu-ray. Criterion knocked it out of the park with this. Um, You get a lot of stuff on here. You get a video interview with James B. Harris, who was uh, Kubrick's original producing partner, uh, interviewed with him. You get uh, interviews with Sterling Hayden, who was one of the actors in this, all later to work for Kubrick in in Dr. Strangelove, from a French television series. Uh, Robert Polito and Jim Thompson also uh, give a uh, give inter- video interviews in here, and uh, it's just great. It's terrific. And then also from Criterion, before we run out of time, uh, is Cul-de-Sac, which is a Roman Polanski film that a lot of people have uh, conveniently forgot about. It's from 1966, right at that time when Polanski was on the verge of really breaking through with stuff like Rosemary's Baby and Chinatown. And uh, you can tell the guy's got it on. It's one of the best performances you'll ever see from Donald Pleasance on film. Uh, he stars with Francoise Dorliac as uh, a couple who are, in, they basically have to deal with this horrible home invasion robbery uh, with this guy played by Lionel Stander. The same Lionel Stander who played the chauffeur on Heart to Heart. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't, you could never have imagined that he would be so scary in a movie. With the, with the voice that he had, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. It's great. He had a great voice. Anyway, uh, this also includes a fabulous 2003 documentary on the, uh, the making of the film called Two Gangsters and an Island. And uh, it's just great. It's a beautiful transfer, a fabulous Blu-ray, and a great essay by David Thompson that tells you everything you need to know about this film. And with that, boy, I think we're, uh, I think we're done. Uh, we got a lot of good stuff we're going to get to next week. We did not get to this week. Uh, Mark, what, uh, what, is your, what are your words of wisdom? What will you leave our listeners to keep them going for the remainder of the week while they think up intros to send us at gods at digigods.com. Words of wisdom. Like my father used to say, if you're too open-minded, your brains will fall out. <laughs>